Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I started this study, and I started it out with this phrase, get off your duff and do something. And, you know, people say, what do you mean, get off my duff and do something? We have a culture anymore that, especially now, I, get, I was looking at it just in the natural. Here recently with the uh, stimulus program and with the unemployment program and the PP whatever program they have, people have opted to take money and not do anything for it. And the scripture that came to me right away was out of... Um, was out of Proverbs where it talks about the slothful man. He gets to the point where he doesn't even want to take his hand out of his lap and put it into his mouth with food because he's hoping somebody else is going to feed him. But as I was studying this, more and more came to me. And so the scripture that he gave me to begin with was uh, James 1, through 25. And it says, but... Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who beholds his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself, and he goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he is. See, these people have taken this point where they just, they've forgotten. And I think uh, Brother Hagin said back in the 60s when he said there's a generation coming up that will not understand consecration or dedication. You know, they don't understand work. They don't understand what it means. He says, But whosoever looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So, Pastor Sean said something Sunday that, that really struck me. He says, We've been anointed by grace through faith to do. That's what we've been anointed by. Grace through, or through grace by faith to do. No, by grace through faith. I got it, I got it. It's written right here. <laughs> and so these things rise up in me. And then last night, as I was, or this morning, actually about four or five this morning, as I was rubbing my daughter's feet, um, this word came to me from the Lord to speak to all of you, which was way off my notes. The power of God is present to heal here. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be a special anointing. It has to be a doer doing the work. And a doer receiving the work and doing the work in it is what he has to do. It took me to Genesis 22.10. And we're talking about some people in the Old Testament and some people in the New Testament. In 22.10, Abraham stretched forth his hand and took hold of the knife to slay his son. He was a doer. He counted God faithful that if he were to slay his son, his son would be raised up again. But God provided the sacrifice for him. Moses. How this starts out so simple. He kills a man, he runs off into the desert. And then here's some ladies of a priest, the daughters of a priest. They were trying to water their, their sheep, and the shepherds drove them away. And Moses stood up and helped them and watered the flock. 
He was a doer. Out of that, he got his wife, Zipporah, and he began to grow. And he was herding sheep one day, and he came by, and he saw a burning bush. And he went and looked at it. And God spoke to him on that place because he saw a man who would do. And he said, and then in Exodus 14, 15, they're erupt against the Red Sea. If I'm running these things together, bear with me. I'm trusting them. I'm trusting what Leanne told me or told us the last time she was here. We're going to flow. So the words, <laughs> just, we're going to do it. <laughs> So in Exodus 14, 15, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. He did not say, I will divide it. He didn't say, get over there because I'm dividing the sea. He told him to stretch forth his hand and divide it. Moses had to be a doer. And so he did. And we know in the battles, when the battles were raging, and he raised his arms over his head and the victory was going to the Jews and then when he dropped his arms the victory went the other way and so finally two came alongside and lifted his hands up and held them up until the Jews had the complete victory doers of the word the only time he got in trouble is when the Lord said do this and he hit the rock instead of speaking to it so you got to listen that's why it's important to draw we have to listen because if I do this as my own I can mess it up but if we draw, the Spirit of God will bring truth out of everything that is said. So he's looking for doers. What's Gideon doing? Now, these are simple things. This is the idea. These are simple things. What's Gideon doing in Judges 6.11? Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, and his son Gideon was beating wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The guy's scared and he's hiding, and he's beating wheat. He's working. He's working a job. He goes, he goes to Samuel. Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And the word was rare and precious in those days. But God spoke to Samuel because he was doing Samuel goes looking for a king after Saul. Even Saul was searching. He was searching for his father's donkeys. And he was found and anointed. And then he went looking for another man when Saul failed. He says, are all your sons here? And Jesse said, well, there's yet the youngest. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send for him, for he will not sit down to eat until he is here. He's working. The disciples, he went along the seashore and he found some disciples that were casting nets into the sea. They were fishing. Hey, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. He went by another set of brothers that were fishing from their boats. He says, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they dropped their, their stuff and went with him. Now there's some thing about, some people said, well, these were just poor fishermen. Somebody did a study one time about the names and where they came from. They were businessmen. Jesus' father, under the anointing, I mean, under the, what the word said about him being a carpenter, he was a master carpenter. He wasn't a poor carpenter. He worked for a living, but he was a master carpenter. These guys worked for a living, but they owned their own boats, their own nets. They weren't hirelings. 
We go on to, um, and they changed the world. We go on into Acts 5.4. And this is Ananias and Sapphira. If we go down to verse 6, well, verse 5 says, Upon hearing these words, Ananias fell down and died, and a great dread and terror overtook possession of all who heard it. And the young men arose and wrapped up the body and carried it out and buried it. Do you, ever, do you think about that? They just arose. Well, looks like somebody died. Out. After three hours, his wife comes in. She tells the same lie. And so they tell him, well, you're about to join your, join your husband because the people that buried your husband are coming in the door. And they, she fell down and died. And the young men entering found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. These are men who are just working, doing their job. So then there came this time when the uh, Grecian um, Jews were, were, were complaining because their, their widows weren't being taken care of. And so it says, Therefore select out among yourselves, brethren, seven men of good and attested character and repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we, whom we may assign to look after this business and duty, that we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and the ministry of the word. It says, And the suggestion pleased the whole assembly, and they selected Stephan, a man full of faith, strong and welcome, uh, belief that Jesus is the Messiah, and full of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and all those people. They presented the apostles after prayer to lay hands on them. The word attest means to have evidence or to certify. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, could we attest to somebody's character? Could we attest to their work habits, their work ethics? Could we say that these people have that character that we need? So that brought this that's happening today and, and where the Lord started beginning to mess with me. So, every person is tempted when he's drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire. If you see what's going on in the world today and what Brother Hagen about, said about people not knowing about consecration and dedication, they don't know about the work it takes to love Christ, to be in that position, be used by Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to minister through us, but they got into this place where I don't have to do anything. You know, if you go back to 1929, when the crash mark, when the market crashed and everything, and then there came this, uh, Franklin Roosevelt came up, and the progressives, and they had the New Deal, and they had the work programs, and they started Social Security. And Social Security used to be volunteer. Then they mandated it. And they said, well, we'll have money in there for you when you retire. Well, then, we'll have Medicare, and we'll have we'll be able to take care of you when you get old. And the church began to back up. You know, back in the 20s, when this depression was going on, the church had soup kitchens. And they were taking care of people. They were ministering the gospel at those soup kitchens. And people came, they got a meal, and they got the word. And the church was there. And then the church got to this place where, well, the government's taking care of them. My taxes are taking care of that. There was a church I was at that this guy actually came up because they had started a, uh, uh, like we have the snack attack here that we support. We had one called Soul Ministries in Laurel. Excuse me. And this guy actually came up and he said, 
Why should I give money to them? My taxes pay for these people to be fed. You know, and this guy was a Christian. He wasn't like he just came off the street and said that. He was a member of the church that said that. We've come to a place anymore that we get baited and, and pulled away from what the gospel had us to do. We're supposed to be reaching the world, right? But what we've done is we said, well, we'll let the government do the welfare. We'll let the government do the Medicare. We'll let the government do the retirement. We'll let the government, I'm not anti-government, please believe me. <laughs> but the government, we have made the government God. And so we in the church have kind of stepped back and they said, oh, I don't know if I can really get in there. But we have to. We have to be doers of the word. Because I'll tell you right now, Proverbs 21, 25, the desires of the slothful kills him for his hands refuse to labor. Do you know one of the worst things you can do to a guy, really, honestly, is take work away from him? I mean, we all say, oh, I work too much. I wish I could retire. I've retired. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but retirement is great the thing is we find out that most people who retire if they just go home and sit in a rocking chair die and they die early we find that people that don't work have problems with depression so then the government says well let's medicate you <laughs> and they do and they'll medicate you they get you on medicare or medicaid wherever you're at in your social economic status, and we'll take care of you. And the church sits by sometimes, and we don't have a place to offer these kinds of programs. And the thing is, it isn't, it isn't like the pastor's issue. It's your issue. Your issue, because you are the people that are interacting with folks every day that you can talk to and you can minister the love of God to. You can minister hope and peace you can minister the life of God. You can minister healing. Because when you walk by that person, the presence of God is there to heal. The power is there. The power is to change lives is there in you. I want to go to that scripture in Luke. Luke chapter 5. In verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law, you know, those PhDs, postal diggers, sitting by, who should come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And then in verse 17, or verse 17 in the Amplified, it says, and the power of the Lord was present with him to heal them. You understand who lives in you? The Holy Ghost. That power. That power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you to minister to a sick and dying world. The word of truth is in you. The power is in you. We have this ability, and too often we put it aside because well, as pastors talked about the other day, we're quiet. I don't want to offend you. Heaven forbid that I would offend you. Heaven forbid that I would make, think, well, what if he is going to heaven and I ask him and he's offended? Well, if he's going to heaven, he's going to say, well, hey, brother, I am going. I hope you would say that anyway. <laughs> of course, on the other hand, if he's living that kind of a lifestyle where you say, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Maybe he gets convicted and 
turns his life around. Now we heard in Proverbs 21, 25 about how slothful person, how slothfulness kills him. Hebrews tells us, after, so in the New Covenant, Hebrews tells us, 5, 11, says, concerning this we have much to say, which is hard to explain, since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful, in achieving spiritual insight. Now we're just family here. We're just having a Bible study this morning, this evening. We have to be careful because we can become slothful in our thinking. We can become slothful in our spiritual endeavors. We can be slothful in reaching out to the lost. So here's where I'm at. Verse 12 says, For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you are actually need someone to teach you over again the first principles of God's word. You have come to need milk and not solid food. Don't be offended. There's people listening online that I hope are grasping this. You might say, well, I know all this stuff and I'm not being slothful. Check yourself. <laughs> Check yourself. So Jim Hockaday said this in his book, Until I Come. I really recommend you guys get that book if you haven't got it yet. It says, miracles are not in the boat. You have to get out of the boat to walk on the water. See, there's safety in the boat. Even if the waves are rough, there's safety in the boat. But to step out, to step out, where do miracles happen? They happen every day because somebody believes, somebody moves, somebody does. See, faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God that builds up in us has to be transferred to somebody else. We have to minister that faith to other people so that their faith can grow. There's people lost in religion. They're, they're Christians. They're born again, but they're so lost in religion that whatever God wants to do, he's going to do. God's made that choice, I guess, you know. He made that choice, and so now we're just going to have to live with it. No. His choice was life and life more abundantly. What did he tell us in the Old Testament? He says, hey, here's the test, folks. I've set before you life and death. Here's the answer. Choose life. Tough test. Choose life. That's all we have to do. See, God, in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts, and over all the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. Now I'm going to give you a little surprise thing here. In Psalms it talks about man being a little lower than the angels. The word is Elohim, being made a little lower than God. And the angels are under us. So Satan, the God of this world, 
even before he trans before he took the stole the authority from Adam, he's always been under us. Always. He didn't just get put under us, he's always been under us, but now we know through Christ Jesus. He's been revealed as to what he is. He's a loser, he's a deceiver, and he's under our feet. And we have the authority over him. And that is why I say the presence of the Lord is here to heal. His power is here to heal. Anybody of anything. I, when I was praying about this this morning, the Lord brought this, this image up to me about to speak this out. He, he showed me a thing about my daughter, and he showed her at her house, standing at her counter, making food for her kids. And he says, the power of God is present to heal. Thank you, Father. We can't let that get away from us. Acts 10.38 says, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth. Excuse me. (laughs) With the Holy Spirit and strength and ability and power. And how he went about doing good, and in particular, curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. God is with you. God is with every one of us. Jesus was moved with compassion. We need to be moved with compassion. We need to. We need to have empathy for people. We need to have, he says there was pity even. He pitied people so much. He looked at their multitude and he pitied them as sheep without a shepherd. People were healed in the multitudes because he pitied them, he loved them. You don't have to pity people, but is it wrong? Is it wrong to pity somebody who's suffering, who's outside the body of Christ, or even in the body of Christ? To be moved with compassion, to believe, to step out of the boat into the water? I mean, Pastor Sean told us the other day, he says, you got to get out in the water. you got to get out in the water. We can't be riding the boat anymore. We can't. There's too much at stake. And I'm not just speaking personally. There's too much at stake in the world. There's too much at stake here in Billings, Montana. There's too many people going to hell in a handbasket. Because we're getting afraid that we're going to offend somebody. We're afraid to let the power of God move through us. We've come to a place where we forget. We almost are afraid that if I step out and I lay hands on somebody, nothing's going to happen. But what if it does? What if it does? The power of God is in you to heal. And that isn't just physical bodies. That is souls. That is spirits. That's to get people saved. You know, every gift that God gave us, he said that is that others outside of the church would know God is real. And we get afraid sometimes to step out, to get out on the water. And I'm just as guilty. I've walked by people that I should have ministered to. We can't do that anymore. There has to be within us, within the body of Christ, within this church, because this is all I can speak for is this church, or speak to. 
We have to have that compassion to go forth and the desire to do what God has sent us to do. It's a desire as much as a compassion. You have to have it. God is not going to twist your arm. He's not going to get you behind your back and say, now get over there and talk to that person. He's going to be there and he's going to say, hey, you see that guy over there? I mean, what was it about Elijah? The wind came. The earth shook. Fire. And God says, where was I? He was the still small voice. The still small voice moves us with compassion. But that still small voice has the power to create the universe. He doesn't have to shout in a booming voice. He doesn't have to scream. doesn't have to. All he has to say is, go. All we have to say is, I will. But are we going to be slothful? Are we going to be slothful? That's the question that each one of us has to ask ourselves. Are we going to be slothful in doing? Are we just going to be hearers of the word only? Or are we going to be doers? Are we going to step out and make sure somebody knows God is real? Christ saves. Hell is hot. And heaven is real. And heaven awaits those that love God. And that receive his son as their Lord and Savior. God wants his bride pure and perfect and washed in the water of the blood, or the blood of Jesus, pure. That means we can't be fooling around with the world. We can't be rolling in the dirt and the mud with them. We have to reach down and lift them out. That doesn't mean you don't pick up a shovel and dig. You know, at the refinery I worked at, we had different classes of people, or labor, or um, group, not people, but groups. And so you had your laborers. There was the guys that were dirty. They had mud on them. They were covered from head to toe with whatever they were digging into. They were just filthy. And then you had the guys that came in after the laborers that laid the concrete. They were dressed a little nicer, not quite as dirty. Different kind of a job set. Then there was somebody who came along and they set the equipment on that concrete dressed a little nicer, but we all have a job to do. And how many of us are afraid that that shovel is the thing that fits our hand? You know? That shovel, getting down in the muck. Hey, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Jesus loves you. I'm coming for you. I'm down in the muck with you. And you lift them up. You don't stay in the muck with them. You lift them up. Jesus was in the belly of hell for three days and the Holy Spirit says, come on, and took him out. That's our example because the Holy Spirit in us wants us to lift people out. To have compassion and not be slothful. He wants us to be doers. That means having a, a physical job and having your spiritual job, whatever that is. So we got Pastor Sean a job cleaning out the bathrooms. <laughs> Didn't want him to get slothful. <laughs> but the, inter- the thing is, you know, Pastor Sean has brought many good speakers into here. And we need to pray for them to be sure that we still keep getting those type of speakers.
to come in here and minister to us. Because normally I would be pretty concerned about being in a place like this where I am a little on the water. My emotions are a little more out there. But Leanne spoke some things about we've got to be moving. We, gotta know, we know the Holy Spirit. We've got to trust him. We've got to trust him. We've got to trust the words that he gives us. We've got to trust the things he's told us to do. We've got to trust the things he told us to say. We've got to. And it's going to cause some tears. And it's going to cause some pain and anxiety. But how much did our Lord suffer for us? You know, Brennan was listening to something from uh, uh, Keith Moore today, and he says that in the Old Testament, when Isaiah spoke of Jesus, spoke of him being beaten, he says he didn't see the Romans. He saw God beating his son for us, for that spiritual atonement, as well as the physical when the Romans got a hold of him. He suffered for us. We don't have that much really to suffer for anymore, do we? We don't have to go through that. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. I was just getting razzed by my young friend over here about, yeah, you're going to get there sooner than me. (laughs) And I said, I hope so. (laughs) But he can't scare us with heaven. You can't. You cannot scare us with heaven. So what scares us here? Do we love people enough or not? That's what it boils down to. Do you love people enough or not? Do you love your Lord enough or not? Because his desire is that all men should come to know Christ and be born again. He wants his kingdom populated. There's a thing that Jim Hockaday said in that book also. He says, if God has commanded you to perform a particular mission, he's given you the ability to perform it. Now, what's your particular mission? Well, I don't know. God hasn't really revealed it to me. Yeah, he did. Go forth in all the nation, preach the gospel. <laughs> you know, that's, what, that's, your, that's your mission. That's your mission. You are an ambassador. The word says you are an ambassador of Christ. You. You hold a rank of authority in the kingdom as an ambassador. You are also a minister of reconciliation. He calls you a minister. He calls you an ambassador. He calls you a minister. Go forth and preach. Get a hold of them. Use the authority that you've been given. You know, an ambassador, he, when he goes to a country, uh, Miles Myron, uh, Miles Monroe, he wrote a book about the kingdom. He talked about that ambassadorship. And he says, as an ambassador, you don't speak your own thoughts. You speak the thoughts of the home country. Who's our home country? It's heaven. Who's our king? Jesus. What did Jesus say when he was on the earth? He says, I do what I see my father do, and I say what I hear my father say. Are we listening? This is the secret. Are we listening? Are we in our prayer watching and looking? Because he's showing us some things. 
Sometimes I think we're afraid to really get in there and look and see what it is, because like me, by the way, I know my mother-in-law said she, she really didn't want to pray for God to give her a vision of anything because she was afraid he was going to send her to China. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't, at least for a while. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, what if he did send you to China? He's given you the ability to perform it. Well, you have the ability to be a minister and ambassador right here. I mean, Pastor Sean even talked about Sunday. He said this several Sundays. What about your neighbor, your next-door neighbor? How much time do we spend with them? I can tell you, I spend like... I do. Nothing. And yet, there they are, right there. All we have to do is just go over there and say hi. Drop off some cookies. Give them an invite to church. Hey, do you know Jesus? Oh, you do? That's great. Oh, you don't? Hey, do you know? <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to him. It's that simple. How much do you care? Or are we going to be lazy about it? He says, therefore, the only way you can be intimidated about the outcome is by questioning the integrity of God and your ability to perform, which is unbelief and fear of failure. That, that struck me. Am I questioning the integrity of God if I don't want to go minister to somebody because I'm concerned that they might be upset, that they might look at me and think that I'm crazy or that I, maybe I don't have it all together? And I question his integrity to be able to perform through me those things that he's asked me to do? Or am I scared for myself? Yeah, God, you can do all things. Just do it through him. Which, by the way, if any of you are offended by this, you can't call him. You have to, he doesn't have an email address. So you have to go to Pastor Sean. <laughs> but he... God will never ask you to do anything for which he will not equip you with the ability to complete the task. We're hearing things from, from Herb. We're hearing things from Pastor Sean. We're hearing things from Pastor Mike. Uh, the things I had in, in March about or, uh, February about discipleship. So much about discipleship and growing and growing and doing and reaching and reaching. It's just it's encompassing this church. So there's a reason for that. It's time to get busy. It's time to get busy. It's past time. There's too many people that have gone to hell already. There's too many people that are suffering from under the present, from the pressure of the devil and the pressure of this world, and they're, they're lost in the lies of what's going on in this world. There's too many. We need to do our part. I, you know, um, we've heard that it's, it's kind of a joke, but it's a sad joke. You know, so you stand before the Father and you're going to hear either well done or well, you know, I mean, you know, you'd be in heaven, but which one do you want to hear? You know, I, I really do want to hear well done. I really do. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. The only way I can hear that is to have compassion for people, to believe what he said, to understand that he's equipped me to do those things he's called me to do, and then do them. Today, I'm just a mouthpiece up here. I'm just a mouthpiece. God has given me a voice to speak. He's giving you ears to hear. I'm hearing myself. It says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You're supposed to be repeating it to yourself. 
And my wife might make me watch this afterwards. I don't know. (laughs) But God loves you so much. His power is present to heal you now. It doesn't have to be a prayer line up here. That's wonderful to have a prayer line. It always feels good when somebody touches you and then you feel that anointing come through. But you know, you can feel that anointing sitting in the seat where you're at right now. The power of God is present. The reason these guys didn't get healed, it's in another verse where he ta- was talking about the man with the withered hand. And what did, they, what did he hear from them? They reasoned among themselves. These guys were reasoning among themselves. And the power of God was there, and they reasoned themselves out of it. The people in Jesus' hometown, excuse me, who is this? I mean, his brothers and sisters are here. We bought, I mean, somebody said we bought furniture from his dad, you know? And he could heal only a few folks. They reason. Our problem is sometimes we reason too much. We try to get it through here. You know, I'm speaking now, and you people are receiving it through your ears, and your mind is processing some things. But if it doesn't get down into your spirit, it really doesn't make much difference because it's just going to kind of float around in there and flip out. You have to meditate on these things. You have to meditate on them. I've had to meditate on them. In the early morning hours, sometimes when I'm, when I'm with my daughter and, and I'm just ministering to her and praying over her and, and just speaking the word over her, just those things are just rising up in me. They're just rising up in me. I'm seeing things. God's showing me stuff. He hasn't told me to go out to do some of those things yet, but he's showing me things. It's rising up. If you're willing to spend the time, he's willing to speak with you. He's willing to show you. He's willing to equip you. And when he sends you out to walk on the water, he's with you. He will not let you sink. He will not. The only way you can possibly sink is to let go. But he's there to pick you back up again if you reach out. God loves you. And actually, I love you too. Because God's love is in my heart to choose to love. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.